negotiating with investors. They don't teach that in school. That's a skill that any entrepreneur needs to educate herself or himself about. If you want to succeed and you're competing in a big world, you know, with a competitive product, you will have to have a skill to, to raise money and know how to negotiate equity dilution for your business and how you can manage control. It's a very fine line. This is the CMO and Joe podcast. We interview today's most inspiring chief marketing officers and savvy marketers of lucrative direct-to-consumer e-commerce companies, bringing you insightful stories and tips on marketing, sales, branding, and much more. We bring you the best lessons from the best. Let's get started with your host, Joe Momo. Welcome to the podcast, Kate. Thank you so much for having me, Joe. Well, I'm super excited to have you on the podcast. You're an athleisure trend pioneer, uh, leader in design of traveling clothes, um, and you've been doing this for more than 15 years, so you have tons of great insights, I bet. But uh, before we do, uh, perhaps give us a little bit of background about yourself, uh, kind of your origin story, and uh, yeah, essentially who Kate is. Well, I was born in Budapest, Hungary in 1976, so everybody can run their numbers about my age and which generation I come from. Um, When you do the math and you kind of know what happened in Eastern Europe, we are the generation that took down the Berlin Wall, right? Um, I was educated in a very disciplined environment and pretty much everybody either went to the dance class or became a gymnast, so... I became a gymnast with a tough Russian coach and competed for many years, um, which gave me a, you know, a very structured environment to grow up in. Um, spoke Russian for a long time too, right, in our schools, until when I turned 18, just couldn't take it anymore, I guess, and I hitchhiked out of my country. <laughs> so we left with a group of friends and didn't stop until we reached out of France where um, I ended up finishing my MBA and I basically taught fitness to pay for school. And that's where I started selling my first um, clothing lines actually. And, um, you know, a couple of years into it, living in France and now speaking fluently at a time and still, um, I coached a younger team as well with, you know, with my background and uh, we became national champions in France three years in a row. So the brand that they were wearing was called something else from anatomy at the time started to become popular and I was selling wholesale and retail already, you know, 24 years old, barely finishing my MBA, <laughs> training the kids, taking care of business. And so, you know, I just never stopped and uh, I ended up in the Caribbean um, one of the islands that belonged to France called St. Bars and Guadeloupe. And um, met some American tourists and they told me, um, hey, this brand is so cool and the product's unique, you have to come to America. So with the help of a young American couple, I started doing trade shows in the U.S. And one of my first trips got me through Miami, just transiting. And that's where I met Sean, my husband, who was doing menswear at the time. And we basically combined forces and having designed private labels together for a few years for companies like Bacardi, as you may know, they're Miami-based, um, Lamborghini, Elite Models Fashion, we worked with Equinox, Cigarette Offshore Racing, like anything sporty and kind of racy and tacky we were doing um, until we decided to create our own brand. So 
he was the former bodybuilder from Ohio, also from a very you know athletic background. So both of us are both of us are very body conscious. We love performance fabrics, tailored styles. So we have a really strong DNA, you know, in just the product category that we pioneered in athleisure because our work was always more upscale than the competition because we use the European fabrics that I've always used. So in a nutshell, that's the story. We created Anatomy together in 2006 and fast forward to today, we're still partners and I have a little girl together and still work together. He runs product development and design. I run sales and operations and finance. And it's been an evolving roller coaster, <laughs> basically. <laughs> no, that's awesome. That's uh, quite a story. Um, kind of stepping back a little bit, uh, when you were growing up, you mentioned that you were big into athletics, uh, you being yeah. a gymnast, I mean, that structured environment. But um, did you always imagine um, you'd be an entrepreneur or even starting your own clothing brand? Or is that kind of something you fell into? Good question. Um, Let's think about it for a second. You know, when you're young and you're kind of just doing your thing, you're just doing it. I, I'm, I'm sometimes even blamed by, by even the current board and investors, and I don't think I just do. So I guess that was my personality from the start. I just followed my heart, um, did what I loved, and I guess it eventually turned into this big job, <laughs> big responsibility as we grow, right? But um Maybe I'm not a good employee. I'm not sure. <laughs> I like to follow my own leads. You know, when you're a pioneer, you kind of take the first bullets, and I'm very comfortable with that. Um, we make mistakes, we move on. I don't look back very much. I like to think forward and just always taking things to the next level. And the next thing you know, you know, I'm on your show talking about it. So <laughs> go figure. Go figure. Absolutely. Um, yeah, you mentioned. Being an entrepreneur, you're kind of taking the first bullets, uh, being a pioneer in the industry. Um, and you mentioned also um, having this big job, lots of responsibilities. But uh, for you personally, what's kind of like the um, your favorite parts of your uh, role right now at Anatomy? So I love our customers, and that's how we build the brand. When we first launched Anatomy with Sean, we did 600 events the first four years around the US because our line was a little bit more expensive and more European looking than the competition. We had to convince every single you know, lady that these are the best pants that she can have, not just looking good, being comfortable and put together, but also very durable and easy care. So we had a very strong, quick pitch about why we were different, but we had to prove ourselves. So my favorite part has always been reaching our audience and meeting our ladies and seeing their adventures and knowing that I'm part of their world and their wardrobe, whether they're playing golf or sleeping on a plane on an overnight flight or walking the dog or teaching the kids at home. I love the fact that they're wearing our clothes and we make their lives better and more comfortable. That never changed. I love that personal connection to our end user. Absolutely. And from your, from your perspective, do you think that's um, kind of the, what are the qualities of building that great customer experience? You kind of already touched on them, but um, I'd be curious to know what, uh, what qualities you look, in, look for. Personal connection that builds a brand around the story that they can relate to, I think is very important. That makes us sticky, right? They remember it. Um, it has to be memorable whether it for you know whatever reason it's it's funny or personal or life-changing or something good right it has to be positive 
the way our experience is positive is you get a pair of pants, um, you think you're just trying something, and next thing you know, you're living in it, and you're not taking them off, right? <laughs> and then you want more. So we become part of the world, part of the wardrobe, and then a bigger and bigger piece of the wardrobe. That's the exciting part. Um, I think a good customer experience also goes beyond expectation. So when you pick up the phone and you expect, you know, to be put on hold and transferred versus somebody picking up right away and having a happy voice um, that takes care of business for you. Um, I also think speed matters. These are the core values in anatomy. Number one, personal connection. Number two, we go beyond expectation. We offer a great value for the money and always go an extra mile to make the lady happy. And number three, speed matters. I think in today's world, you can't linger. And uh, we're kind of known for that as well. You know, every order we get today, she's the same day. It never changed versus even talking to investors in other brands and companies where it takes them days, sometimes even a week or two to get to an online order and ship it. So we like to handle things quickly. And I guess my personality shows through, you know, how the business is run from that perspective. I'm very impatient. <laughs> I'm standing in line either. <laughs> exactly. That's why speed matters. Um, but, uh, I mean, I don't want to touch on that too much about the whole pandemic, but I'd be cur- I'm curious to know what's kind of been some of the challenges for you in the last uh, three or four months we are an omnichannel lifestyle brand. So half of our business last year was built on wholesale relationships. Anatomy was sailing on high-end cruise ships, um, Forbes, four and five-star properties in their hotel boutiques and spa boutiques. Um, we work with Neiman Marcus and a few hundred specialty stores around the country. So everybody closed for months, right? So talk about challenge. We basically became 90% direct-to-consumer versus a 50-50 split between wholesale and retail. So with that said, you know, the mobile user experience had to get better. The website had to get more efficient. Our brand communication had to make a little more sense, you know, for ladies in the lockdown and not being able to travel so much around the world and be able to experience anatomy in Africa and Europe and Asia and hiking much of between the pants, right? Now they are in the Yellowstone or in our trips <laughs> in our pants. So that's been challenging is to stay relevant and stay top of the mind, which we're doing. You know, I've been going live on Instagram a lot and making sure we talk to the community and making sure we become a brand with a purpose. You know, I've been donating pants to nurses. We have extra inventory and they needed them. Um, so, you know, being unselfish is very important these days, I think. And um, just having a community around the brand that's really a lifestyle brand. I went live with a chef. I went live with, a, you know, I mean, obviously travel agents are logical, but just all kinds of life stories. I went live with a mommy blogger. Uh, with a jewelry designer, <laughs> with an um, underwear um, company called Casabella with Italian owners, and just talked about life and business at the same time. So that's been challenging uh, because I'm not necessarily a seen person, you know, I'm more on the private side. Um, because when people can, you know, think about anatomy, they don't necessarily know Kate and John, they just know the brand, which is how we want it. It's not like, um, let's say Tory Burch or Ralph Lauren, you know, how they put themselves first. We always put our customers first and we always said that we are, they are the brand, they are just, I'm just the packaging for it. Because anatomy is about how you feel in the product and the clothes, how I can make you feel. 
So that's been challenging to come to kind of come out and open up and just be honest and transparent about everything. In the beginning, I even had to send out a newsletter and told our customers that ladies, you know, we're reducing the prices on certain items just so we can make payroll because I don't want to fire anybody, um, which eventually had to lay off a couple of people, but um, it's working out for the better. <laughs> so, yeah, that, those have been the main the main challenges. Uh, yeah, on the road. Yeah, I mean, I mean, for the record, uh, I, I love your uh, videos online. Um, I think you're doing a great job uh, building yeah, that uh, transparency you. and uh, authenticity. I think that at the end of the day, um, really builds the brands. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm definitely a fan and a follower. So oh, thank you. <laughs> you know, on the happy side, we got on the Inc. 5000 list. Uh, I'm not sure when this is going to air, but the official announcement is um, August 12 next week. So in a few days, everybody's going to find out. So besides being a Forbes Travel Guide recognized brand and being on the 250 most disruptive brands to watch for 2020, um, we have also been a top apparel innovator in Opera Magazine. And now this one, you know, the industry is starting to take notice, which is good because we're always raising money. So it's good <laughs> to be out there that way. <laughs> Absolutely. No, congratulations. That's really awesome news. Um, from, I guess, stepping back again, I'd love to know, obviously, going starting your business and then going to the Inc. 5000 um, list, there's tons of trials and tribulations and learnings, um, but maybe what's one thing that you wish you would have known uh, when you first began your career? Negotiating with investors. And they don't teach that in school, even though I did my MBA and I'm a math major and speak five languages. That's a skill that any entrepreneur needs to educate herself or himself about. If you want to succeed and you're competing in a big, big world, you know, with a competitive product, I mean, you have to have a skill to, to raise money and know how to negotiate equity dilution for your business and how you can manage control, operating control versus voting control. It's a very fine line, you know, in the real world out there about that and I've learned a lot and I can thank our investors and the board members for coaching me and being patient with me um, and not firing me in the process <laughs> 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 because that happens you know sometimes VC firms and private equity investing companies the first thing they do is get rid of the CEO so um, I'm grateful that they are giving us an opportunity by believing in what we do and how we do it also absolutely and yeah, just from talking to you, you're such a resilient person, so much of a go-getter, um, and you've built lots of skills on, on the way, like you mentioned. But uh, You have to learn quickly. You yeah. have to pick up things fast, because if you linger, you lose momentum, or you get replaced, or somebody else more resilient takes the, your place on the marketplace. Absolutely. It's, just, it's like the survival of the fittest. <laughs> yeah. right? And I think entrepreneurship is about resilience and optimism. And you can't lose either one of it, no matter what happens. Like whether you're dealing with viruses or hurricanes or lockdowns, you cannot lose your, your mindset. You have to keep your mind right. Absolutely. If you, if you have to boil down uh, a unique skill that you say has helped you along, along the way, what would you say that is? Endurance. Endurance. Yeah. I like that. Remember uh, by endurance we conquer. 
(laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Um, For the, I want to get into a little bit more, uh, maybe some marketing industry talk, but um, I'm curious to know from your perspective, uh, Kate, how has the industry changed from when you first started uh, to now? Hmm. So when I first started, uh, specifically in apparel and women's sportswear, um, there was a lot of power given to big department stores that had big buying powers, uh, whether you were on the high end like us with Lehman Marcus, Texas, I mean, Nordstrom, Bloomingdale's, or on the lower end, you know, with Macy's and then going down on the, you know, as you go more mass market. Um, they were kind of ruling the, the jungle, right? And now, look, they're all firing Chapter 11 one after another. So that's a giant change. Um, very old brands, you know, disappearing right in front of my eyes, such as Lord & Taylor and Brooks Brothers, even jeans companies, you know, True Religion and um, G-Star. I mean, amazing companies everybody looked up to just gone so fast um, the last six months. So more power given to authentic, cool brands that have a high-tech component to them becoming more and more successful and staying more and more relevant, especially in front of a younger audience, is a giant shift. Um, I'm sure not just in the opera industry, but with a lot of other industries too, like maybe food and real estate and things like that. So, um, you know, like Apple was born in front of our eyes, right? That's our mm-hmm. generation. It's a good example of how things change. Just two kids in a garage come up with a technology that changes our lives. It's the same with our anatomy pants, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're being gymnast, falls in love with a bodybuilder from Ohio and a make hand that nobody can even come close, and that's it. Next thing you know, there's a whole world of comfort and style that didn't exist before. Keeping these ladies stylish and put together out there for their adventures. So that's a big change, you know, how you can, with the digital world, how you can market yourself and go viral so fast. It was not possible before. Absolutely. I love how you mentioned also um, staying authentic uh, is always a good way to be cool or whatever. But um, say I wanted to launch or whoever's listening wanted to launch a brand today. Um, what, what would be kind of the strategies or even um, things you'd look for um, when uh, uh, starting a new, new brand or a company? So if you want to build your own brand, First, I think you have to see what this is about and how it relates to you. What is that personal story that can justify why you're doing it? Does that make sense? Yeah. So Just from the get-go out. Why are you doing Why do you feel your offer and your brand is a better solution than what's out there? And it has to be crystal clear. There cannot be vague areas because customers are so educated these days they can look up anything anywhere in like two seconds, right? And compare compare quality, prices, order things, return things, and really find out for themselves what's better and why. So you have to tell the truth and you have to deliver in your promises. Um, there's no, you cannot disappoint the customers because then they won't stick with you. You know, the fact that we have such staying powers, hopefully, uh, you know, you see it's a testament to to a promise being delivered and the quality that you promise, like even going well above and beyond of what they expect when they first get a pair of hands. 
So I think those three things are super important is connecting your brand to your person and why you're doing it, believing in it and telling the truth about it and then delivering on the promise to the customer is super important. And then once you have that customer, you have to like broaden and widen your audience and build around it and be super clear about who's the customer profile that loves you and why. Because then all your brand messaging has to be formulated around it. You have to repeatedly say the same thing. There's a simple example, you know, if you go to McDonald's for the same hamburger, why? Because you want that to be always the same. I think that's the most important about a brand is that they know what to expect and it has to be deliver on that expectation and beyond. Absolutely. That story, the why and the consistency, um, I also agree. Um, and that's something, yeah, that's something Anatomy is doing as well. So good. Um, but I'd, I'd love to know what's maybe something that Anatomy does that not many consumers know about. What is the question? I'm sorry. Uh, what's the biggest thing Anatomy does um, that maybe some con- consumers don't know about? Well, hopefully they know everything. If they don't know about it, then I'm, I'm doing a bad job. <laughs> so let me think about it. What they might not know that we do well. Hmm. Well, hopefully they all know how much you can just wash these things in by hand, hang it up to dry, no dry cleaning, no ironing, and then you're like ready to go. That might not be so obvious from our website or... Um, just from, you know, looking us up on social media. That's a very cool thing about anatomy, how you can pack six pieces that weigh only three pounds. So we basically make the perfect carry-on suitcase, um, not just in comfort and style, but the functionality of it. Um, they might not know that, <laughs> that it's an ideal carry-on wardrobe. Um, but hopefully all of our story and features, everything's out there. Um, just a fun fact, you know, we're Miami-based with uh, about 13 countries everybody comes from, and we speak nine different languages here, and we're open to the public. So that might be a cool thing they don't know about is that you're able to come and shop with us in our warehouse. Um, the front of it is set up as a little store. So if anybody transits through Miami, give us a call. Um, <laughs> we're happy to have people behind the scenes. You know, not many brands do that. They kind of hide, right? Absolutely. We are so open and love having people over and showing them around. Well, that's really cool. That transparency, again, it's uh, super key in building that authentic brand. What's, uh, what's, what's some of your favorite social media networks? I know you mentioned that you've been uh, kind of, prom- or not, not maybe so much promoting yourself, but being a little bit more in the forefront of the anatomy brand. But what's kind of been your favorite social media networks? Um, so, you know, with the Instagram lives, it was, I liked it because I was able to introduce our team. So, um, it was really nice to show customers like a customer service VIP stylist is Raquel. And it was really nice to be able to put her out there and introduce her so people can see her face and like really know who they're talking to. Um, same with some of the other team members and Sean's design team. Um, introduced themselves as well. So we were very transparent about how we design and pick the fabrics and the colors and, you know, what they do back there. So I like it that we're able to, um, to like make little movies about it, right. And bring people behind the scenes um, so they can trust us, right. The brand building is also about trusting what the company does. Um, I like being on LinkedIn because it's very high quality professionals 
um, in my network. And we have really great um, conversations in news and, um, you know, CEO level um, information being shared. So I like that. But that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> that's a pretty good uh, mix of uh, networks there. Um, but it's uh, maybe something you're proud of that we haven't touched on on the podcast so far. I'm sorry? What's something that you're proud of that we haven't touched on in the podcast so far? You're asking very good questions, Joe. So, uh, <laughs> you're highlighting our skills and strengths uh, as a brand and company. So I think you're covering it. What am I proud of? Um, my team, uh, they stick together and really literally every day they do their best. Um, I'll give you an example. We... Uh, had an opportunity for a pop-up store in the Hamptons. Um, call me crazy, but I took it this summer. And one of our two of our employees actually drove cross-country because for us to be able to make it happen, um, we had to close our store in Denver and move the fixtures and the inventory to New York, to the Hamptons. So two of my boys flew up to Denver, rented the truck, and drove cross-country with everything in it and set up the store in literally 72 hours. So I'm proud of the effort that goes into making making us successful as a team. Well, that's amazing. Well, there's one question I can't not ask you. I obviously are a travel apparel company, designer travel apparel. Um, but what's, what's kind of been your favorite place to visit so far? Well, I happen to love the islands and I love... Uh, and bars in the Caribbean. Um, we scuba dive with Chan, and my little five-year-old girl is an amazing freak diver already. She goes like 10 feet to the bottom, bottom of the ocean, even if it's murky and I can't see her. <laughs> so I love being around uh, you know, the ocean and dolphins and fish, whatever that can happen. Um, Sean loves Italy, obviously, because of the design inspiration. Um, I'm from Budapest, so I love going back. Um, we went to Vietnam last year at the end of the year, uh, working on the world residences at sea. We did a pop-up store and, you know, of course, Hong Kong and the whole vibe over there was just fascinating, high young and smart. Um, those people are dynamic. Um, so I love that. love going to Hawaii. I guess I'm a global citizen. <laughs> Hard to pinpoint. We did a pop-up in Central Bay for a while. So I love South of France. Obviously, I speak French and I love the food and everything about it. Um, I like the snow too. I like going to Colorado and be on the mountain. So yeah, I'm just like a happy camper anywhere. Yeah, all of the above. You love all of the above. Yes, all of the above. Yes. <laughs> that was a long uh, answer. Sorry. <laughs> no, that was perfect. Uh, yeah. So only a few more questions here for you, Kate. Uh, I'd, I'd love to. This question I always love to ask because it makes uh, it always causes for great answers, but uh, what's one question that you never get asked that you wish you would be asked? What's one question I never get asked? I never even thought about that. <laughs> um, maybe the importance of... Um, investors and what it's like to be, you know, a female, um, basically immigrant with no support in a brand new country. Mm -hmm. um, that nobody seems to like 
not care about, but just like consider, you know, as part of part of my package. Um, my my dad is a chemist, and uh, my mom worked in a logistics company. So it's not like I come from some serial entrepreneur family, right? Um, you have successful entrepreneurs in the U.S. where basically, you know, wealthy kids come from wealthy parents and they grew up around being told that anything's possible. I come from completely the opposite. It was a no, no saying, are you sure? You know, like almost in the pessimistic side, more of a gray um, kind of culture, right? Not by choice, but just how it was, not blaming anybody about it. So I wish... Um, Sometimes I would ask more about what's it like being in a, like basically a new country and a new culture by yourself mm-hmm. and putting it all off. Absolutely. No, that's amazing. Um, only, only a couple more questions. I know I said that already, but uh, <laughs> I'd love to know. Um, earlier mentioned that uh, you moved a bunch of your operations to direct the consumer. Um, you said about 90%. Um, how, how was that transition like for you? How, how, how that, um, what, what kind of the biggest challenges to that and um, kind of the pros and cons, if you will? It's building a volume uh, in the distribution. Is um, You know, when you're selling um, retail dollars, less packages go out to make the same amount of revenue, right? When you're selling wholesale, you have bigger boxes through the door. <laughs> so now as we figured out, you know, what's working and what's not working in terms of marketing on all of our platforms, um, I have to find a way to build volume up and move inventory at a faster pace or bigger pace. Um, something very interesting. We launched, um, we upgraded our website. God bless you Canadians with Shopify. <laughs> I can only say good things about Shopify Plus. We launched Global E, so we're shipping worldwide now. Um, we launched a really cool VIP program called uh, the, AT, um, the A-Club, right? The Anatomy VIP Club. So it's called uh, Join the A-List. Um, so, yeah, all these things to go deeper, making your customer experience better and keeping first-time buyers come back more, but then at the same time find, finding more first-time buyers as well. Absolutely. Speaking of finding first-time buyers, um, what's kind of the, your, your favorites or maybe a marketing trend that you see um, at the moment? So the organic efforts are paying off more than the paid ones. And it's been like this for a couple of months versus last year, it was very predictable. I was able to give the agency $3 and know that we're going to get 12 out of or 15 now, depending on the channel, right? Right now, we're successful with our own direct emails and our organic searches and all of our social media that we post ourselves. And like you said, put out authentic, sincere content with relevant information. But then the paid things are not um, working so well. And this has been industry-wide. No matter who's CEO you talk to, everybody's experiencing the same kind of turmoil around Facebook and you know with everything going on. So that's tricky because it was such a spoiled environment, right? And now I have to make the uncertain certain in some magical way. So that's what I'm trying to figure out. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, where, where can our listeners connect with you online? 
anatomy.com is their platform. Our hashtags are anatomy style um, on Instagram and Facebook. So please follow us. Um, the website's great. It has everything about our story and all of our products are available. We actually moved uh, a lot of our warehouse availability to uh, availability to our online warehouse. So we're fully stocked on all of our core essentials and new arrivals. Obviously, we moved inventory from the wholesale division. So great experiences await those who um, check it out. Absolutely. And I challenge our listeners to go check it out as well. Um, you guys, again, are doing such awesome things. And um, Kate, I really appreciate you being on the podcast. You're always a joy to talk to. And you're just vibrant and have lots of authenticity and um, overall a great cast. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Um, love to all Canadians listening. We have several board members and investors. <laughs> so I'm saying virtual hi to them. Uh, they're in Ottawa and Montreal and Toronto and on the West Coast as well. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. And to end the podcast, we usually um, end the podcast with the guests saying one word or phrase to describe who they are. So my question to you, Kate, is what is one word or phrase that, we, that you use to describe Kate Boyer's brand? Comfort and style like no other. This episode of the CMO and Joe podcast has ended, but be sure to subscribe for more business strategies and tactics to help you create the profitable and successful business you've always dreamed of. And don't forget to rate and review so we can continue to bring you the best content. See you on the next episode.